today we have AJ Sharma on the show. Do you want to achieve financial freedom? AJ Sharma is a prime example of what's possible in America, the land of opportunity. He started with nothing, but through the value of hard work and determination, he was able to amass a great fortune. If you're looking for inspiration, or you just want to hear an amazing success story, then this is the episode for you. Listen and learn. Before we jump into the intro, if you have interest in learning how to invest passively, check out my five-step process for passively investing in real estate. You can download it for free by going to darrenbatchelder.com backslash learn, and then select the free PDF. Now... Onto the intro. Welcome to Darren Batchelder's Real Estate Investing Show. Each week, you will learn how to grow your wealth through real estate investing, be introduced to the players that are getting it done, and learn how you can get involved. And now, here's your host, Darren Batchelder. A little background on AJ Sharma before we start the show. AJ lives in the DFW area with his family. He came to the US from a small town in India and he built tremendous success in multifamily real estate. He did it by hiring a mentor and leveraging relationships he built with other successful entrepreneurs. Now, onto the show. Hello, everyone. Today, we have a very special guest. We've got AJ Sharma here with us. AJ, appreciate you coming on the show. Hey, thank you, Darren. Thanks for giving the opportunity, my friend. And I really appreciate uh, all, all you have done. And uh, thank you. Absolutely. So just a little on how we know each other. Um, AJ and myself are both part of the same uh, mentorship group out of uh, Dallas. And um, so we met several years ago and I've been watching this guy and he is crushing it. So I am interested to hear what he's been doing that he's been able to get all these deals under his belt. So um, with that, how many properties and how many units are you up to right now? So uh, we have uh, 12 properties and uh, so it's a little over 2,200 units and as a GP. And uh, so our properties are here in uh, Texas. Uh, we have uh, in Dallas, we have in Houston. Uh, we have uh, two properties in Arizona. And uh, we have six properties in Georgia. And uh, we recently bought uh, one property in Alabama. Uh, I mean, Birmingham, Alabama. So and where, overall, where do you live? I live here in Dallas, Dallas, Texas. So That's crazy that you're able to... Purchase all these deals in these different markets. Um, oh, you know, yeah, Darren, it's easy. Once you have these processes, and I, I will be more than happy to share about it, and once you have those processes, it's not easy, not difficult at all. It's, it's so easy that how do you manage all these things? Because I come from the background of, and, and let me talk about the LP side also. So sure. on the LP side, I must be maybe, it's very hard. You know, my partners, Tom and Mike, always make fun on me that you have no idea where you have invested. Right? Sometimes I get a K1 and I say, oh man, did I invest in that deal? So <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. a good problem to have, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. yeah, so I must be maybe around 35 deals right now at the, at the LP. Uh, little old, almost touching 10,000 units there. So wow. it's fun, it's, it's really fun. So, you know, before we get started on all the real estate thing, um, you know, obviously you, ha you have an accent, you came from India, when, you know, share with the audience, like when did you come over to the India, in, from India, like why? And, and you shared a little, you know, what your goal was when you came here um, well, before we sit, hit record. And I think that that's hilarious. And if you could yeah. share that with the audience also. Yeah, so then I come from the North uh, India side and uh, from the North side, it's not at that time in 95, it was not very common people to go out. Yeah, it is a big trend in, in the South side. And so for me, I, I was fortunate enough to go to one of the best college in India and IIT. And uh, so I did my master's uh, 
uh, two masters basically one in computer science and math and uh, in 95 i uh, i graduated so at that time in india it was a very hot motorbike is uh, rx people who knows uh, that that time of time of india people will be able to relate me so it, it was rx 100 yamaha so that was 17000 rupees so at that time indian rupee was 35 dollar per like a 35 rupees per dollar so it was around 500 dollar so when i got out of the college so i got my first job in 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 new delhi right in india and uh, my goal literally to come to us was to earn enough money so that i can buy that bike so i got in a, a, a 500 a 500 motorcycle that was your goal for coming to the us that, that was my goal and so i came in 96 march so i got a opportunity to come on a, on a consultant basis here and i was in uh, irvine california nearby la and uh, so that i i was there for 3 months right somehow i was not feeling well so i went back i had my 500 dollars and uh, in 3 so months wanted, you got <laughs> yeah <laughs> so because that how much i was able to save think about it you coming from india and you you have to pay a lot of other things also so i was able to save 500 dollars so at least i see my goal right that oh i can go back and and, and uh, get my wife but at the time you know when i went back so i i got engaged with my wife and then we both were thinking what should we do in all those things then the same company who who brought me to us at the time they called me back and they said if you have you want to go back and we have a long term assignment for you and i came back in november 96 and my friend i never never left after that never left well, after that yeah and i got to imagine that your goals have gotten a little bigger than the 500 Yeah, see, I know people always have. Oh, I have this million dollar goal, billion dollar goal. I I don't know. I never had those goals in my life. Like, oh, this is so. As long as I can, I I can live. I can feed my my family, and I can support my family back home because I come from a, a very humble. Because my father was a teacher, and uh, so and uh, my mother, as you know, she she can uh, write her name. that's it that's the only thing so she never had any education at all mm. and uh, so i am uh, so i have five sisters so i'm in the middle so uh, you know that uh, coming from the indian background so uh, as a son as the only son i have a responsibility to support my family not here but also the back home too and i try try to do that and uh, all those things whatever i could do the family for for the family so i supported them and still my my parents are still there so it was a i would say humble beginning and uh, you know uh, there was a so I, i was born in a very remote area of india so if you in you want to north side so my village was i think it must be around uh, 1500 people or something like that wow 1500 yeah. people wow oh yeah yeah not so it must be grown by now but 1500 people and uh, and me so my father and, and your family was probably a big piece of that oh yeah the families can oh. be pretty big in in oh, india i'm told oh yeah so so my uh, uncle my father's brother his family and our grandparents used to live with us so my uncle had five five kids so we were at one point we were 17 people in the same house wow so that's how i started it was fun to be honest with you i never thought that uh, we had anything anything there is nothing for us to like everybody had a food everybody was having fun and so fortunately i was very good on the education side and uh, so i studied because there was only one school in the entire town right you go there my first introduction to english was in 6th grade where i learned a writing a b c d right wow that's the, yeah so so let then, me let, let me ask you this aj so you you come over Would you say that the US is the the land of opportunity? Oh man, I would I will like scream like at the top of my 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 lung that this is the the country where you can think about person like me who started with that who came came into this country for uh, with a goal of $500 now sitting on eight eight digit uh, you know network. So so think about it like yeah. 
Did so, you guys hear that? The listeners, he just said his goal was $500 and now he's sitting on a net worth of eight digits. Like this, I've heard it like over and over again from different people that have come over here, you know, from other countries, a lot of them from India with very little to nothing and then have made their way. And then I see it with young people today in the U.S. who feel like they don't have opportunity. You know, they feel, and I, I, don't, I don't know why the difference is. And maybe it's because they've grown up with stuff and, you know, and they don't, you know, cherish it like, like you did coming from a, a village of 1,500 people. I don't, I don't know. Um, so you must see it in you, where you live, like other people. Um, why do you think there's such a big difference? You mean uh, in the, on, the, on the mindset? Yeah, the mindset in terms yeah. of, you know, somebody that's just coming over from out of the country and they're like, holy cow, you know, anybody can, can achieve if they put their head down and, and oh, yeah. work at it. And then people that grow up here may not believe the same thing. They may believe like, oh man, the economy is tough and this is tough. And, you know, how am I going to do better than my parents? And, you know, this and that, the other thing. Yeah, it's, it's all about mindset and uh, your, your effort, like how much effort you are willing to do. In my, and see, like when I was in college, right, at that time, because, you know, I came from, my father, if I remember correctly, his last paycheck was 5,000 rupees per month. That's, that's right. So it means uh, if you count in, let's say, 35 uh, rupees per dollar. So think about it. It was $150, something like that. And we were like a seven, uh, six kids and all, all the expenses. But it was fun. But see, think about it. Right from the beginning, I learned how, on the value of the hard work and get associated with the right people. Uh, right, um, because I had a chance to go to one of the top institute uh, now in the world, IITs, right? So I was a student of IIT. So, and where, I, I don't remember how, what is the percentage of uh, uh, acceptance there. It must be 0. 0.001, something like that, right? So, because it's hard, I used to, like when I was in college, I used to go and teach my own classmates, uh, like when, so that I can earn something from them, right? So I did that, and to be honest, I still like yeah, no. I'm, I'm, to be like if, if people want to see from the number perspective, I don't have to work, right? But still, I work 15, 16 hours a day. It's, it's fun. I enjoy it, right? So, right mindset, willing to hard work, and associate yourself with the right people. Yeah, that's it. Th those three, four things will definitely help you. And I have been lucky, very lucky. Then in my throughout life, uh, I get somehow, I don't know what the hell I do, but somehow <laughs> I've been associated with the right people, right people, and uh, right from the beginning. Yeah. Why do so, you think that is? Why, why do you think that you connect with the right people? I mean, that, that's a very, um, it's a big thing. I mean, proximity is power, you know, and, and, and being associated with the right people. So why do you think that, other people are attracted to, to working with you? My one thing, and I, I can give an example also, you know, go with the least expectation from the someone you are trying to work with and try to see what value you can add to that person. And then, then go from, start from there. What will happen slowly, slowly, those guys will see a value in you. And they will, like, it's almost impossible to partner with Tom Lafferty and Mike Hardin. You know that, right? The big, big, right. big guns in, in the group, right? And I have been with them since day one when I started with the group, right? So I started, you know, I don't know whether you want to talk later, but uh, my first deal, right, uh, it was given by Mike, Michael Becker. And, no, go and, ahead. Go ahead and talk yeah. about that. Yeah. So when, so, you know, when, let, let me start over, like, how did I come into this uh, real estate side? Because okay. that, will be, that will be so funny. You will laugh at that, right? All right, let's so, go. Yeah. So I moved to Dallas in 2003. It was an IT job. And uh, so I was working with Deloitte Consulting and at the time. Then, then I, I moved to a startup company and worked with them. 
So in 2008, I started buying single family homes. And I'm sure you know, 2008 was the time when everybody wanted to run away from the from the, those things. So if you remember, there was a bank called Countrywide Bank. And yes. Countrywide Bank, basically, it had a huge portfolio of single family home, foreclosed properties, right? And Bank of America bought Countrywide Bank. Right? right. So I bought my eight single family home in the heart of the McKinney. It's on Virginia and Custer. So I'm sure you know that area. Yes, because I'm in Prosper and I know yeah. that area very yeah. well. And I, you and I have a property in Prosper too, right? So in 2008-2009, I bought eight single-family homes right after one or one after that, right? So somehow, uh, you know, hook up with the, with the right people. So I got a, bro, a, a real estate agent. His name is Ryan Flores, my, one of the best friends I ever have. So he introduced me to the single-family home business. So... And, you know, at that time, I didn't have a lot of savings. So, you know, in order to buy a home around, around 165000 you have to bring four, uh, around $40,000. So whatever I had, my savings, I put it in those eight homes. And I know a lot of people say that, oh, I don't, like a single family is hard to manage and all those things. Man, I've been managing that for, I don't know, like 13 years now. Some you still have those eight homes? homes? I, I just sold one home. So I, that home I bought for 165K, I put $40,000 in that one. That home was never vacant for 13 years. I refinanced it, I think, two times. And the same home I sold for $470,000. Just Thank like you a, very much. three, four months back. And so, so those single family homes, I mean, you know, like 13 years. Some of my tenants have been with me almost from the entire time because they pay on time. I don't, I take care of the home. It's a simple business model, right? If you take care of your clients and they will take care of you, they will pay you rent, right? If you don't take care of them, definitely they will give you a hard time, right? So I bought that. So I had a, at the time a cash flow for around $3,000 from those eight homes. And uh, my wife was working on the IT side. So we thought, uh, man, this is a maybe good time that I can take some risk here. So I started my own company. So we built a software, a online uh, tutoring software. So where students, specifically it was focused on the India side. And for me, because 95% of my family, they are teachers in India. And I really wanted to do something uh, on the on that side, so I built this uh, product. I would say, like if people, like if students can go online, take some classes. They they can do take some tests, and this uh, software will will evaluate them that uh, like from one to ten where they are on all kind of things. I spent almost one and a half year of my and I worked so hard there and on that thing. Like a. People who understand who build the software, then they will be able to retain, uh, relate to it. It's tough. Right. And Darren, I failed miserably, my friend. Did you I, really? Oh, I didn't even have a single client who is willing to buy my software. And I, it was only like a, a, there was a time where I said, okay, give me 100 rupees per month and, and have it. 100 rupees per month, like I think about it, nothing, right? So then nobody. I went, oh, nobody came. Nobody came. That was a big lesson learned for me. Big lesson learned. So you, uh, you, you fail on that. And is that when you made a decision to try to go bigger? Yeah. Or so did now, you, how did that to, happen? I had to go, go back to the workforce. So I, oh, you did. So oh, you went yeah. back and got a W2 job. Yeah, I went back. I went back. And... Uh, then at the time during this, uh, I was also saving uh, in uh, uh, in the real estate, in the, sorry, in the stocks also. And if you remember that time, 2008, 9, 10, and all that time, three, four years, if you do it right, you can make tons of money. So I made my first million from four stocks during that time. Wow. Yeah. It was last week I sent, I can tell you the even sticker symbol also right now. <laughs> So Citibank, Las Vegas, and uh, Bank of America, and Apple, and Microsoft, these five. So that was fantastic. 
so from me for me that was good thing at least uh, i was not uh, kind of like a broke because a lot of people what happen when they go through this whole cycle where they failed miserably the first thing they want to see whether how they will treat to their family right so for me that was so now so i had the single family home my wife was working and i i went back to the work force again so here is what happened in 2014 and i will give you the 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 word so if you google r e i expo 2014 mobile home investing so so there was a r e i expo here in gallod not too far from where i live i live in arvin right so this my same friend israel flores right who was my realtor he called me on friday friday evening and he asked me that ajay what you are doing this weekend and uh, i said man nothing i was said oh, he said oh i bought two tickets uh, for this re expo and one of friend he wanted to come with me but uh, he he cannot can you come i said why not let's go so <clears throat> me and israel i think one there was one more guy we all three went to this re expo in gallod our goal was to meet that guy who was teaching how to invest in mobile homes and you will see that i really appreciate if you can google it you will see the photos of that guy i think it's still saw that online right so we went there so there was the process was like a, you go to the you know entrance and then you need to tell that where you want to go and and you know talk to someone and this guy was busy like a hell man there was no he so was what he was busy that guy who wanted to teach mobile home investing right his room was full all the time okay there was only 50 people can go at a time and he was busy for the whole day so me and israel we were standing outside in his room mobile home guy next so we saw a a lady standing outside and she was try, trying to tell that okay can you come to our our web seminar here and you know who is who that lady was who then some rock oh no way really and there was only at because that's where in 2014 january so january 25th or 26th that if i remember the date correctly brad was teaching there and there was i think only 15 or 20 people where 50 guys can sit so at that time i like I, we sat with with him but you know our go our mind was oh, we wanted to learn about mobile home investing mobile homes instead you're learning about apartments apartments and then you and then so, you pivoted from there oh yeah and then brad said that okay i have a r2r i think it was in march in 2014 that i have a r2r in las colinas and it's free it, it used to be free 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 hot food everything right and why don't you come to that so i went there in march i had a chance to meet i think michael becker and tom laparty and uh, mike hardy and i did nothing after that then he had another r to r in november i went to because i was in their database now so i was getting email i went in in november also and again i did nothing in 2014 i did nothing at all on the apartment side now comes 2015 I went again third time to the R2R, and then at the time I joined Brad Samrock uh, Foundation membership. That's how I started. Then Mike Hardy was de- doing a deal in Port Arthur. I, you might have heard about that deal from so many people, right? Uh, where we had. Well, let hmm? let me share something with the listeners here because, you know, some lessons learned. Look, the the thing that I applaud you on is that you actually. you went right you you ended up going into this other room you learned about apartments and it piqued your interest and then you went to this R to R so what R to R stands for is is uh what it, what is this uh um, rat race to retirement rat race to retirement mm-hmm. and so Brad Sumrock has um i think three times a year uh yeah. weekend event and um it's a it's a mindset you know shift in terms of you know hey don't look at single family homes to doing you know large scale deals and you went and attended two of those um i applaud you for doing that 
Now, looking back on it, I'm sure you're like, I should have taken action after the first one. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, and that's what I would tell listeners is that, look, the first action step is actually getting out there and going to a conference, you okay. know, or going to a meetup or mm-hmm. reading a book or listening to podcasts, like, you know, first educating yourself. And then at some point you have to make a decision, like, I'm going to actually do this. And for AJ here, it sounds like that decision wasn't made until the third time going to the conference. Yeah. Um, but you made that decision, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. and, and once that decision is made in your head, it's like, there's no stopping you. Yeah. You, know, you, it's, know, you see, there is one thing I would say. During that time, even though I didn't join Brad Samrock officially, but I was in touch with all these guys, like Becker, Hardage, and all those things. So I was in touch with them. So every time, at least they know me. They knew me that, uh, that who is this Ajay guy is. And then in 2015, uh, Mike Hardage did this deal in Port Arthur, uh, Arthur Square. So I invested with him. And then, so he was looking another deal in, uh, in uh, I think it was Beaumont. So I requested him, can, you, can I become a KP in that deal? So I, I become KP with him. In 2016, Michael Pecker called me and uh, I said, hey, I have a 100-unit deal in Muscat and if you are interested for that. So I used to call him, man, I need to have a deal and all kinds of, you know, that. So, so he, he called me that I have a deal, it's off-market. And there was a no concept of on-market, off-market at that time, right? So, you, know, you know the broker. And so, so this was a seller. I think it was a, if, uh, he was definitely not in the United States. He was somewhere out, uh, the, the, the seller. So we, we had to communicate through his, uh, his son-in-law. Uh, he was in, in LA. So, so we bought this deal for So Michael million. was act, acting as a, as a broker in that instance? Oh, he was doing everything, my friend. He was acting like a broker. He, was, he helped us to do the lending part. And he even help us to get the management company, everything. But I, mean, I owe big time. I said hundreds of times to Becker, man, you owe, I owe you so much because of uh, first deal. Because you know that that is the hardest deal you have, right? That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. And then Hardy joined me on the, on that one, and we we worked together. So we bought that deal for five million dollars. It's a hundred unit. And in 2018, after 22 months, we sold it for ten million dollars. And if I, if I remember correctly, that was the, I think, very first deal which crossed 100K per door mark at the time. Wow. Because, you know, a lot of deals were not uh, being sold. And one of our fellow uh, Brad Samrock guy, he bought that from us. So for that $5 million deal, we, we raised $1.25 million. And uh, so rest we got in, in loan, right? It was a Fannie Mae loan. And uh, fundraising was not the issue at all there. I am surprised. I'm, I, one time I always think about it. What the hell happened there? Why we didn't have an issue? So 10 of my friends, very close friends, somehow they trusted Then they put uh, like 100, 100K. And uh, I think Mike got a couple of guys there. So fundraising was so easy. And even in my first day, and plus wood is still like we have done $325 million worth of, uh, you know, real estate right now. Never had any issue with the fundraising. I'm not saying it is easy uh, because uh, sometimes, depending on how you, you go from there, but uh, we raised $1.25 million. And if I remember correctly the number, so after 22 months, because there was a prepayment penalty also, because we, we sold it earlier. We were able to give 178% return to the investor. So if somebody has invested 100K, so they got 270K, 78K from us. Wow. That was my, I would say, first home run, first deal. That is and amazing. In 2017, we bought two deals. One was here in Fort Worth. And I definitely want to touch base on that because that is the worst case scenario for me. So people know that, uh, that something can go wrong also here. And the, in the same 2017, I bought uh, with my another partner, another deal in Moro, Georgia. So 
and i will tell you why we bought that and what was the process so let me touch this so, on the fort worth deal first hey aj before you do that let me just share with the listeners some things that i think you d- you did very well one is you know even back when you were doing this when you got into the single family side you know you had a, a realtor friend that that already knew how to do it and you leveraged his experience so he knew how to do it and you didn't know everything, but you you jumped on board with somebody that had experience. So I think that that's very important. Secondly, when you got into, you know, it was kind of a weird way that you got there in terms of the multifamily side because you were going for mobile home parks. But when you decided to go multifamily, you know, you went to a mentorship group where there were a lot of people, like-minded people that were looking to invest. And there were a lot of people that were successful and, you know, some people listening, you mentioned his name a number of times, uh, Michael Becker. Um, some people know, you know, him. If, if, they're, if you're in the Dallas area, you know Michael Becker. Um, he, he's head of a company called SPI and Advisory, and, and um, he's done incredibly well um, in the multifamily space. Um, but he was an experienced guy, and you, being new to the industry, had somehow you know, developed a relationship with him that he actually called you and said, yep. I have a deal. Yep. You know, that yep. doesn't happen to everybody. So, you know, uh, you must do something very, very right to build people's trust and and get people on your side pretty quickly that they think of you in that type type of circumstance. Yeah, and you know, Becker and Hardage, I think they know very well. And uh, so uh, Michael Becker knew that I'm going to work with Hardage on that one. So that that relationship with Hardage and me and that that worked out very very well. And I think that's how this uh, deal was given to us. And, Fantastic. Uh, yeah. And then going back to this Fort Worth deal. So we bought uh, this uh, 108 unit deal. Uh, uh, I think uh, I forgot the name. What he used to call. So we bought this deal from a guy who was self managing this deal. So there was no third-party management company. And there's a big lesson learned there, and I'm going to share with, with uh, your listeners here. So this deal, when we got the financials, right? So this deal was 95% occupied, and everybody was paying rent. Everybody was what? Everybody was paying rent on paper, right? Gotcha. We, and we got Fannie loan and everything from him, right? When we really acquired the property, because we, we paid based on that, like, okay, this is a perfect, uh, you know, thing and all kind of thing, right? When we basically got the deal, right, we saw the collection drop almost 40%. 40%? 40%, four zero. Wow. And we had to go through the entire retenanting of the process for this deal. We had two fires, so it was like a whatever you can think about can go wrong in a deal, it went into the deal. But one thing we never did it, we never had a cash call with that deal. And that was the one deal where I used to go every week, personally, even though I live here in Irving and the deal was in Fort Worth. Because I, I don't know what, what, like when you go there, you will always find some surprise. So what we, we came to know, yeah, it was tough. When we came to know that somehow the, the seller who sold this deal to us, he was not collecting money. So the rent, the T12 and rent roll he gave to us, it was not, it may not be the real. Because that, because wow. you cannot, you cannot have a 40% drop in income in next month after getting them. So yeah. he falsified the something. Something he did, which is kind of like a, which we could not never we, we never understood. But 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 it gave us an opportunity to learn about the business. That if something goes wrong, how to stand up? So we have to go through the whole retenanting of uh, you know process. So my, one suggestion, if I can give to any yeah. of your listeners, is if you are buying a deal from a guy who is self-managing it, please ask the bank statements from the guy. Please make sure that whatever you do, never buy a deal that if you don't have the bank statement, because that will give you the reality 
whether the, the deposits are being made uh, to the account or not. So what AJ is saying here is, you know, you, you get a, a T12 and you get a rent roll and a balance sheet and, and then you're reviewing that data and you're using that for your analysis. And, but in your due diligence, ask for the bank statements. And if, if, it's saying, if they're saying that they're collecting $100,000 a month in rent and you're seeing deposits for $40,000 a, a month, something's not right, you know? So, you know, have the due diligence to, you know, check on that during, while you're, before the, the sale goes through. Yeah, and specifically when somebody starts managing the deal. If there's a third-party management company uh, who is well-known, they won't do those kind of stupid things. But if, if someone is saying that it is self-managed deal, please ask that. And you will be surprised. You will be surprised to see sometimes. So you bought that deal. What ended up happening with that deal? Did so you, you still own it? Oh, no, 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 not at all. So, so we sold that deal at, uh, in 2019. Uh, yeah, no, no, 2020, after three years. So our, at the time, uh, you know, when we bought it, it was 100% return in five years, right? So we were able to maintain 20% per year return. So we so made money. So, yeah. You, you still re returned after three years, 60%, even yeah. though the deal was, was really tough. Yeah, it was tough. Yeah. So market saved us, Darren. That's what I will say. And uh, so there is the, the buyer, I think, I'm not sure whether he was... Uh, part of the groups anywhere. So he bought it and so we sold. So at least one had it for me. So that was my second deal which gone full cycle. Now let's come to the third deal which we bought in 2017 at the same time. So this was a 230 unit, something like that. Yeah, 220 units, something in Moro, Georgia. So Moro is just, I think it's 10 miles southeast of Atlanta airport. So during that time, me and my partner, we built a relationship with this management company called SNP. They are very big in the Georgia side. So I had a chance to go and meet the owners, Cindy and Angie Smith, and we liked them. So, so that relationship was keep building. And then we built a relationship with the broker. It's a Brown family, Barton Brown and Chandler Brown there. Yeah, his father, Bo Brown, he started that company. And so relationship building was continuing because that's, that's what it is. So if one piece of advice I can give to anyone, the relationship in this business is the key, key, key. Like a, so why is that? I mean, look, I, I have a lot of people on the show and, and a lot of people talk about the multifamily business being a relationship-driven business. And, you know, the people that are in it understand it, but people that are on the outside that are just starting out and they're looking at it, whether they're trying to be passive or whether they're looking to get active, they hear that, but what is it? Why, why is that? Like give us some examples on why that matters. If I didn't have a relationship with Michael Becker, I would never had my first deal. If we didn't have a relationship with Barton Brown, that deal was not on the market, if I remember correctly. He, he gave to us. If we didn't have a relationship with the Cindy and Angie Smith or in, in, in SMP, they won't, they, they, we didn't even know like, uh, who to contact for the management side, right? So- Yeah, I mean, that, that's huge, you know, and with brokers and with lenders and everybody else. I mean, these deals, it's not like you close them in two weeks, right? They're, you know, between uh, going on, looking at the data to putting in an LOI to getting in a contract to actually closing on it, that could be a three to four month process, you know? And nobody wants to waste their time with people that aren't going to actually follow through like they said they're going to. Yeah, and one more example. We bought a deal uh, uh, called the Oaks in Athens, Georgia. You know who, who gave who got that deal to us? It was our lender. So that deal was under contract with someone else, and that guy could not. Uh, something happened with their loan, 
and uh, this guy Wilson Roger uh, he's uh, with, with the uh, like a Walker and Dunlop in in Georgia. I think he called me or Mike Hardage and he said, "Oh, there is a deal. If you guys can come uh, put your act together, deal can be yours." And we got it. Unbelievable. That, that deal is a cash cow, Darren. And I, I'm going to give you an example to you that we have returned 80% of equity back to our investor within two years. And and we are keeping our cash flow at 35% annualized basis. Of their, 35%? Yeah, of their remaining equity. Holy cow. And we never missed a single quarter or where we didn't give 10%. We just hold it for some time during the Corona time, COVID time. But right from the beginning, we have been giving that, right? So come back to this tomorrow deal, right? So that deal was kind of like a nightmare, my friend. It was a very rough area. And when we bought the deal, we had 10 down units because there was a water breakup in that. So we built those uh, 10 units back. Uh, right, so it improved our income. We had fires, we had shooting, we had everything. So we built our entire office, we, where we had the office, where we had the laundry facility, where we had the, our, uh, what you call the clubhouse, everything. It was one standalone building. We were so happy, me and my partner went there, we took the photos and we posted on that. Two weeks back, I got a call from our management company and she sent me a video and there was something burning on fire. I said, I thought, man, sometimes like, why is he sending me the, our brand new office, everything was burned to the, to the ground after two weeks of building that. So man, think about it like, because we have gone through, because we were out of money now. We spent the whole thing there and we had the money just to do our unit upgrade. We had to go through the whole claim process. And so we added four brand new units around that office. So our collection, if I remember correctly, it used to be, I think below 100K per month. There was a point. And when we sold this pro- uh, this property to Tahib and uh, his group, like it, it happened two weeks, two months back. Okay. So collection was almost uh, almost touching two hundred, maybe more than that. Holy cow! Yeah. So we bought. So let me give you the numbers so that you will know that what is possible in this business. So we bought that deal for twelve point four million dollars. We raised three point two five million for that deal. And Tawid, Tawid will, will laugh at that. We sell that deal to, to those guys who are sophisticated, who knows what they are, they are doing. We sold it for 29.4. Holy cow. So $17 million difference. Our investors here, uh, and we're still going to distribute a good chunk of money. So we have already distributed 275% back to the investors. So somebody who has invested 100K with us, they have already got 375K from us. And we still, we are still sitting on a, 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 on money because we are waiting for the, all this. They, they got their, they got their original 100K plus another 275K yes, before sir. it even sold? Yes, sir. No, after we sold it. Oh, so after we, you sold it. Yeah. So we didn't close, we didn't close our books yet because you know that uh, the taxes, but we are still sitting, I think almost, uh, I would say 15% more equity, which will return, we will give back to them. So it will be almost 300% back to our investors. And uh, three years, three or four years, whatever you want to count it. it. It's crazy. It's crazy. So I just got involved in the multifamily world about four years ago. And, and um, I started investing passively and got involved as a GP also. And I didn't know if it was real, but like what AJ is saying, like I've seen it in the deals that I'm in and talking to other syndicators, it's real. I mean, people have been doubling their money, you know, or more in three years, you know, it's, 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 it's crazy. And, you know, it's because 
you know, it's the, kind of the same philosophy. If you are a single, I was never a single family investor, but it's the same philosophy as a single family investor in that you're, you're taking something and you're improving it and then you're selling it for higher value. Um, you know, just in the multifamily space, you're doing it by either repainting the outside of the property or putting in a, you know, dog park and a, um, you know, in a, in a playground area or, and, or you're fixing up the interior units to be, you know, to, to market. And you can see other properties that are close by that have already done it. And so you, it's almost like a proven, you know, market that you, you could see that they're getting a hundred dollars or $200 more per rent down the road. If you just buy this other property and then fix it up, you should be able to do the same. Yeah, and two more examples quickly before we go to the next segment here. So we bought two deals in 2018 in Arizona. So it's a city called Mesa uh, in nearby Phoenix. So we paid 95 per door. And somebody just contacted me for those deals for 275 per door. Holy cow. I mean, that's so, crazy. Yeah, and we Wait, are going I to... Describe- yeah. The difference in the yeah. markets, yeah. Arizona, Dallas, Georgia, those are three different markets. Mm-hmm. How would you describe just, you know, briefly at a high level, the differences between those, those markets? So, so first thing I would say, these all are what, let me tell you what is the similarity. These are the landlord friendly, you know, states, right? So, so I will be the last person to buy anything in California because, uh, you know, it's not. It's not landlord. It's very hard to evict and all those things. Plus, look at the employment growth there. In Arizona, just to give an example, our one bedroom used to be $750 per, per uh, I think, oh, yeah, we have one and a half bathroom there. Last time I saw, it is going for $1,550. Holy cow. So, because it means people are paying for there, right? So it right. means people are making money out of there. It's not something... That, uh, that uh, you know, if, if you don't have a clientele, you don't have any uh, tenants over there. You cannot do that. Well, you know, with population growth, if you, if, you know, look, I'm in the North Dallas market and, and just single family real estate is crazy, right? Yeah. And, and people are complaining. And then, but there's a lot of people that are moving in from California and Chicago, New York, that mm-hmm. they're like, even though these prices are, are high comparatively oh, yeah. to what mm-hmm. it was three or four years ago, yeah. they think it's cheap. Oh yeah. Of right. Course. Of course. Yeah. So somebody that is paying 1550 for one bedroom in Arizona, you know, they may have moved from California and they were paying substantially higher than that. Very much possible. Very much possible. Right. And, uh, and so that was one deal. And, you know, it's, it's not like a, you can just start asking 1550. So you have to improve the property. So in these two properties, which we have in Arizona, we took care of all the exterior and uh, in every unit we, we have given washer drag. And, and now in, in one of the deal, we have a huge maintenance shop where, uh, uh, you know, for, for a hundred unit deal, you don't need that much. And there is a small uh, area. So we are going to build a unit there. Take it, uh, so the, in order to build a unit, I think it will cost us, if I remember correctly, uh, the total will be one one hundred fifty somewhere around that. It's not, and the more, if you put the NOI, the day one we built it, it is more than three hundred feet. Oh wow, that's yeah. that's massive. Yeah. Hey, let so, me shift gears on you a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, <laughs> from talking to the deals, I mean, look, that's one of the things that I, you know, just from talking to a lot of other people in the business, I know you guys have killed it. You know, deal after deal after deal. And um, that's why I was excited to have this conversation. Um, hey, talk about like, so you're, you're partners with, with a couple of folks. Um, Tom Lafferty, he was on the show. Um, and you're also partners with Mike Hardage. Mm-hmm. How do you guys divide up your um, responsibilities between the, the three partners? Okay. So uh, let me tell you the funny way, right? So we are three guys, right? And literally you can see when we are on Zoom, let's say, because a lot of people think, oh, it's easy and uh, to underwrite and all those things. But we take it so seriously. 
so seriously. When we underwrite the deal, before we do even submit any offer, we spend hours and hours and hours together on Zoom discussing each and every single details about the deal, about that. So, so uh, I'm, I'm not saying that we are the, like, you know, we know everything, but we try to go to the minute, minute level so that we can do. So when we are on the Zoom, most of the time, my card is, is presenting. Tom trying to go lower, I try to go high. So think about it, we all three. One is a driver, one is a brake, and one other is a gas pedal. <laughs> so, That's this funny. Is, yeah, this is how we do it. Like uh, in any, and you can see in any meeting and anything. So, on, let's, so let me get uh, seriously to answer your question now. So we, you know, me and Mike have been doing deals together. So since. hold on, I just want to interrupt for one second. So, <laughs> so Tom is the one that, like, he slows down, and you're the gas pedal. Oh yeah, because one, have, one of yeah. them, because I, I have a data to prove. I say, come on, right. look at this. And Tom, man, it's too high. I said, no, don't data support. It's, it's funny because when I talked to Tom, I was like, you know, I'm on his email distribution, you know, for <laughs> investors and and. Mm -hmm. um, and I was actually in one of his deals as a KP and we doubled more than doubled our money. Yeah. I know um, that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But mm -hmm. you know, it's funny because when you get an email from Tom, I told him, I'm like, it's almost like you're like selling against the deal. Like here, you, you know, the email, you read it and it's like, well, you know, I wasn't, I was going to send it to a few people and, you know, if the, you know, I might send it to more, but like, you know, it, yeah. if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it like, and it fills yeah. up like that, you know, oh, it's yeah. like he, he has a, a very humble back way of, of getting in with people. I mean, it's funny. Yeah. yeah. No, sometimes when you read his email, he's trying to tell you, don't invest in this deal. <laughs> It, it almost sounds like that, right? Yeah, yeah. And then, and then people are like, "No, I want in. I want yeah, in." Yeah. And so, uh, going back to your the question here, so I, me, and uh, you know, uh, Hardage started working together right from the 2016. Right. So we did several deals together, and uh, I think five, six deals together. We still love. We work together, right? So the Oak deal in Athens, Georgia, right? Uh, remember, I was talking to where we refinanced the whole thing, right? So Tom uh, joined us there. And uh, so then after that, uh, we did four deals together, right? So we, we all three complement each other. So I, I come from the, uh, the IT background. I bring a lot of processes, right? Uh, so, so for me, asset management side is very easy. We all three have to do fundraising. We all do so deal deal sourcing is also we all three do it. So just to give an example, last four deals we did, yeah, right? So Houston deal came through Mike because he's there, right? Two deals, uh, you know, the Birmingham deal, uh, this uh, this uh, broker uh, uh, in Birmingham, Alabama, he called uh, uh, Tom. So Tom knew this guy, and that's how we got that deal. Then there was an off market deal which we did here in Weatherford. Purely Tom got it. The, the Georgia deal uh, in Augusta. So I got that deal. So basically, uh, you know, I work with these guys, Cushman guys, very close relationship with, with, with the group there. So uh, Nelson Evans, uh, he called me and he said that there's a the deal. And he bought that uh, Oak Steel. So they were the broker in that one. So, so he called me and he said, there's an the off-market deal. And this guy does not want to go to the whole process. You know, some, some sellers are like that. There's nothing right or wrong here, right? Yeah, and, as long as they get their number, yeah, yeah. They're, they're happy with moving on, you know? Yeah, and so he gave me a number that if you guys can give, uh, beat this number, the deal is yours. So we kind of like, you know, always we were thinking, let, let's, maybe we can give, offer something less. So we offered something less. And then deal was awarded to someone else. And we were a little bit sad because it was a 45, 46 million dollar deal, right? And uh, so we, I forgot the deal. Like I said, let's let's move on. I got a call from Nelson again. Hey, man, this uh, the the seller, uh, the, sorry, the buyer uh, could not raise equity. He has issues with some family issue. And if you guys can come, whatever you are, and uh, deal is yours. And we got the deal. 
Yeah. Again, relationship, right? I mean, yeah. you know, you, you don't burn bridges and you keep that yeah. relationship open and all of a sudden you get that, that call back. Yeah. Hey, um, we're, we're going to be coming to the end close. So I, I wanted to get a couple um, more topics discussed. One mm-hmm. was, I know when we, before we got on, you mentioned you started with 10 investors and now you have over 800. Yeah. Individual investors. I yep. mean, talk about that process. How how does that happen? And um, because you know that's important for the listeners to understand that you know you do one deal and then it can compound and grow from there. Yeah. So several things I would say here because uh, uh, all these. So if you look at uh, uh, our history here. We never market or anything there. So all these 800 investors come came through as a reference from someone, individual person. So how how this thing happened? Uh, like I can I will try to explain a little bit. Right. So for me, relationship with the investor is just like a family member. So if like all, all our investors, I know them by name, by personally. Right? I call them. Right. I right. And transparency is the one thing. If you, I don't know whether you are in any of our deals. When you read my email, like most of the email, let's say when monthly update. I'm not, but I want to be. So definitely Uh I'll be, I'll be looking out for you guys. Oh, definitely. I will be, we will be honored to have you in our database. So every single minute details we try to bring to the investors is full transparency. Full transparency. We even send a full package coming from our management company as an attachment, where you have the even general ledger, you have bank statements, you have your T12, you have your uh, variance report, you have every single thing in that. And I try, me and who are writing the report, we try to summarize it in the report so that you have all the data. See, these are the 50, 60 million dollar projects, right? Sometimes things does not go the way you want it, right? So the last thing you want to do in this case is hide something from your investors and then later become. So that transparency uh, and that honesty, it should be, it should be part of your, your, your core values. And that's why- I, ag- I agree, but I also, like as an investor, I want, so I want the good, the bad and the ugly, right? But I also, I also like when I see the sponsor, you know, when, when they do, when they are transparent and, and they highlight something that's not going right, that they don't just highlight it, that they actually have an action plan put together. You know, this is what we're going to do, you know, mm-hmm. and it may or may not work. And then you might have to pivot again. But, you know, as an investor, like I wouldn't want to hear like, oh, this is going bad and not say that you're doing anything about it because then it leaves you kind of feeling helpless as a, as a LP. Yeah. And, you know, I come from a background, IT background. So I'm a very data, you know, you can call me data geek. One day I will show you the dashboards which we have built uh, like over the period that where we can go up to the day, up to the like week collection where you can see that like how things are going. And if you remember, because you have been part of the bad group here, so during the Corona time, right, everybody right. was having that uh, uh, what you called uh, stress test, something, right, right, where, right. So a lot of people maybe may not be using that anymore, right. We have built our dashboards on top of that, where we can even track each and every minor details about that. We have weekly calls with the management company. We have CapEx and all those calls. Everybody's on the call. And we call our, our general partners. We are on the call where our manager, regional manager, everybody joins us. So those processes are there to make sure the deals are on, on track. Some, some things, some, sometimes things cannot go, go the way you want to. So there, but there has to be a reason. There has to be a plan in place. So that that so you can explain to your investor, okay, this thing happened, but what you are trying to 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 do to mitigate that one? Yeah, absolutely, I, I completely agree with that. Hey, um, the last piece that 
if, if you could talk about is um, financial freedom. Like, look, you came over, you were looking for 500 bucks to buy yourself a motorcycle. Um, now you said that you got, you know, a, you know, a, a massive, you know, net worth and you still do this. And like, you could hear from your voice that you're still excited about doing it, you know? So one, um, you know, what does financial freedom mean to you? And then two, like, why do you still do it? Yeah. So financial freedom can mean to so many different people, right? Uh, right. Uh, let's say your expense is $10,000 per month, right? And uh, as long as you have some way for, to make that $10,000 per month, then and without doing any, any work and nothing can impact you outside things, then you, you, are, you have a financial freedom. For me, money is definitely one part, but uh, as I said, I crossed that bridge long time back, right? Where I don't need to worry about that, right? So for me, now I need to see what I can do for my tenants, my investors, right? I get so many calls and uh, and emails and I'm in the meetings. A lot of our investors, they, 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 they told me in person that because of uh, all the deals which we have done together with you guys, we were able to send our, our, our kids to the private college. Now our retirement, uh, one guy was saying that, uh, it's so funny, he's a very close friend of mine. And he said, Let's, if something happened to me in my old age, I know where I can go and get money from. I said, man, come on, you already have, we have given so much money to you. <laughs> yeah. So, so that, that, yeah, I know we can make fun and all those things, but that is, that means a lot because if you can help people to get the similar freedom, similar opportunities, where they, because not a lot of people have opportunity to invest in these kind of apartments, right? This kind of business, right? So for me, helping those people, right? To, to, to still do it and, and keep, keep making money for them where they don't have to worry about those small, small things. That gives me a drive to keep going. I think that's huge. I mean, like you're basically saying that you, you know, what drives you is that you, you like to help others, you know, and, and there's a lot of different ways to help other people. And one way is to help grow their wealth, right? Mm -hmm. Financially. And, you know, doing that through the avenue of, of apartment investing, um, not everybody knows how to do it. And you guys have built processes and procedures and built relationships. And now, you know, it's not just about, you know, building your own wealth and, you know, and Mike's wealth and Tom's wealth, but it's all the investors, you know, yeah. and every investor has different needs for that money. And, and that's, that's important. That's, that's awesome. And, and let me give, tell you one more thing here. So if you look at our, all 12 deals, which I have done, right. In every deal, you will see a newbie in our deal to whom we have given chance to become a GP. Every deal. Everything because because I know it is very very hard to to get the first break and it's kind of like a, like I can give you you know you know most of those guys so how they use this opportunity and what they do with that that's definitely up to them but in every single deal we had a new person where who who we made a GP and that KP so that that person can because. So Mike Hardage and Becker gave me a chance, the first chance, where it was not, I was lucky enough that I got it very quickly. But, I, you know, you meet so many people after years and years, they, they, they don't have their first break, right? So, so that is another thing, basically, has, you know, gives some satisfaction. That, uh, that's, that, that's huge. I mean, you're paying it forward. Look, I mean, in this business, I've seen that over and over and over again. People are very collaborative, um, and, and helpful to the next guy. So, um, you know, if you get into this business, like ask people for help and people are there willing to help you, you know, where, uh, some other industries aren't as kind, you know, um, to share and to, to help lift you up. And, and then you guys, like you're, you know, you mentioned in the beginning, you guys are, you know, at 300 and what, 25 million and you want to be at 500 million in assets at the end of the year. Um, those are huge numbers, but then there's another guy that is at a billion or 2 billion. And like, yeah. so you guys will, 
you know, seek counsel and, and that person most likely will share their knowledge with you. And then you'll share their, your knowledge with people that are trying to get their first deal or get their first 50 million or whatever it is. Um, so that's, that's, what's fantastic about this business. There's a lot of sharing with each other and helping each other. Oh yeah, definitely. And you know, one day I would like to see a billion in our portfolio too, right? Who knows? That is possible too, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, well, Hey, what, what do you, um, like to do outside of work? So I am good in uh, like basically try to do bikes. I'm very good on those sides. So I do my uh, half marathons every year. And, uh, and also I would like to travel a lot. Uh, so, you know, the COVID can affect that hitting us, but uh, me and my family, uh, you know, we work so, you know, that sometimes it's 15, 16 hours day. So you, you just worn out. So sometimes you just want to go and maybe just go and sleep somewhere. That's, that's usually I do. Yeah. Absolutely. But, so do you want to do domestic or international travel? B- both. Because, you know, when I both? go to, yeah, when I go to India, so typically the way we have, we plan, we stop somewhere, let's say in the Middle East or in the, in the Europe or somewhere, then spend some time and then go back to India and then come back. So that has been our, you know, trend for a long time. But uh, last year we could not do it because this whole COVID, I hope, uh, this year, uh, we can we can do something and travel. But biking, uh, you know, I'll, because I live here in, uh, in Irving and there's a lot of nice trails here. So sometime in the middle of the day when I, my mind is kind of <laughs> boiling, so I go and take my bike. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic, so, fantastic. Yeah. Hey, if, if somebody's listening and they want to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do that? So uh, they can uh, go to my website, uh, aim. A-I-M, next, N-E-X-T, reality.com. So they can fill, there is a contact, uh, you know, us uh, form there, they can fill. I think uh, my number should be there also. And uh, my email address is my first name, A-J-A-I, at A-N-E-X-T-Reality.com. So A-I-M-N-E-X-T, reality.com and that's r-e-a-l-t-y correct yeah yeah. so a-i-m-n-e-x-t r-e-a-l-t-y.com fantastic aj i really appreciate you coming on you have a ton of experience and and it just shows um it really 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 does just show that you, you know, if you get out there and you actually go to a meetup group or you go to a conference and then you take action, look what can happen. I mean, he, AJ did not think that he it was going to be at this stage when he was going into that mobile home, you know, conference. It just, but because he went, one thing led to another and now he sits here, you know, so you need to take action, listeners. Um, I hope that you enjoyed that one until next week. Sign off. Thank you for listening to Darren Batchelder's Real Estate Investing Show at darrenbatchelder.com. If you liked the episode, please provide us with a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice. If you already provided us with a five-star review, then thank you. And please share the show with a friend. <laughs>